What will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How are you this afternoon? I'm all right. I'm okay. It's all right. You know, the, the world's an interesting place, but I'm floating along on the surface of it as if I don't have a care in the world. Hey, you're taking a page out of the Tom Cavanaugh playbook right there. <laughs> <laughs> I com- I'm the king of compartmentalization, man. <laughs> that's my, that's my uh, tactic strategy. I see. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that's good to know. That's, yeah. that's, that's right. I got it. All right. Super. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already feeling, I'm already feeling the setup of today's coffee bit. <laughs> it's good. You see if this, if this, I think it's going to flow. It's going to flow very nice. Right. I can hardly nicely. wait. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, it's so gonna you've be mentioned right. the coffee and you did pour this for me just moments mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have tasted it. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what is in the thermos, Dr. Thompson? Well, Dr. Kavanaugh, buckle up, because we're going on a ride with this one. So just, oh just, just, All right. just, just come along with me. Today's coffee is a flavored blend called Shark Bite from Bones Coffee Company in Cape Coral, Florida. And uh, hey, what can I tell you? There were a couple of sales back-to-back with... Bones coffee. So we, say, this isn't the first appearance just no, recently. We've had several Bones yeah. coffees recently, and I just got a good deal, and I like good coffee at a cheap price. So, <laughs> all right. It's so all good. just don't, don't make anything more of that. But the, the Shark Bite thing, you and our listeners might recognize the name Shark Bite because it's the name of a popular mixed drink. The end result, as I understand it, is a drink that looks ocean blue with a splash of blood red hence the name shark bite um and i was thinking that's the that's the compartmentalization thing right you're just floating along on the surface you know everything's fine well maybe maybe, maybe there may be a maybe a predator right below you or not yes it's possible i remember that jaws poster that person that swimmer was just just thinking it was all fine here came bruce you know coming right up to the surface so with the alcoholic mixed drink Shark bite. Typical recipes call for blue curacao, red grenadine, and usually one or two kinds of rum. Today's shark bite coffee is, as you'll see, just brown in color. It doesn't Mine's have any more blue. Of a beige at the moment. <laughs> well, you, you lightened it a little bit, <laughs> yes, but there's slightly. no blue or red in there that, no. I, can, that I can find. No. But it does have a supposedly a, a bit of a spiced and buttered rum flavoring, making it somewhat reminiscent of the cocktail of the of the same name. So I'll ask you how the coffee is and if you could find some kind of a connection to today's episode topic. Um, yeah, I think so. All right, so I like the coffee. Uh, I am getting that little kind of spice 
buttered rum a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. Uh, I like it. Um, so uh, the the main connection I'm getting mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the uh, the fact that this is a a blend. This mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're a you know a single origin guy, but you you will occasionally trot out the blend for the podcast mm-hmm. and. Um, one of our topics that we will be revisiting is sort of blend, blended, yeah. blended mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. Uh, blended universities, mm-hmm. uh, and then that, that's to kind of foreshadow what we're going to be talking about today. Um, the rest of it, I don't know. Here's where I was going. Yeah, you, you're you're with me up till there, and mm-hmm. then here's 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 the next bit. So we talked a little bit about the. The recipe for the mixed drink and a recipe for the coffee flavoring. And that makes me think about the institutional recipes for the place of blended learning, online learning, face-to-face, and more. Finding the right mix for all of those things in the institution. Okay, I get it now. Um, Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch there. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. It's all good. I get it now. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I don't. I'm not particularly uh, familiar with the uh, shark bite drink, but um, sounds good. I may look for that on a menu next time I'm poolside at a, you know, tropical bar somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Found so. a lot of pictures online. Maybe we'll find one and throw it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. It does look a little creepy, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my gosh. Bruce got one. I'm like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good. It's yeah, not good. it's a little weird with the red in it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I it's yeah. a little strange. Yeah. It's a little strange. Well, I was recently uh, in the ocean on my brother-in-law's boat swimming with my son and with him. We were jumping off the boat into the water, and I don't know, we were in 14, 15 feet of water, kind of, you know, several hundred yards off the beach. And uh, my son cut his leg on the, um, the ladder getting back up into the mm-hmm. into the boat and it, it was bleeding pretty good and we're like you're done <laughs> you're not getting back in Dinner that water time. yeah 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 welcome to florida that's right welcome to florida <laughs> all right well cool so we are going to talk about blended learning and uh, the the kind of the right mix of online and blended and face to face and sort of caveat this episode with saying uh, we're going to maybe be a little presumptuous <laughs> with with our expertise, but hey, it's our podcast. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to share what we think and you're, you're certainly welcome to disagree. We'd, in fact, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please do. <laughs> so we have spoken of blended learning many times in podcasts past. Uh, and especially since the disruptive impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in particular, for instance, we've noticed that, noted that blended is the future. And we've also spoken about the modified expectations of digital learning after more than a year of nearly ubiquitous emergency ad hoc remote instruction. And, you know, if that's all new to you, then scroll back through the past year's releases to find episodes on any of those topics. But you might particularly want to check out episode 83, Rethinking Synchronous for the Post-COVID Era, Episode 85, Blended is the Future, and it's not just courses, and Episode 91, Intermodal Learning. Um, Those would be particularly relevant, uh, I think. And and Tom, you said, you know, we might kind of frame up this conversation with like online, blended, 
hybrid, and in-person. What's the right mix? That was a, a prompt that you sort of, it was at least derived from a prompt that you had um, recently uh, shared from something that you were involved with. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a panel event. Uh, actually, my first time on an airplane since mm. February of 2020. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll talk about this in a future podcast, um, but, you know, had the opportunity to participate in, in this collaborative and, with some colleagues. And um, that was one of the prompts that they had sort of given us to start simu- stimulate some of the discussion, to start thinking. Um, and, I, and I thought it was an interesting one for us to maybe talk about here. So online, blended, hybrid, and in-person, what's the right mix? Mm-hmm. And it, it's the question itself sort of implies that there is a right mix <laughs> for, for everybody. And, and of course, the answer is it depends, right? Mm-hmm. And it might not be the right mix at a single institution from semester to semester, depending upon what's going on. Right. I mean, certainly last year, that mix was a lot different than it was the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you're listening to this at some point in the 31st century, <laughs> uh, we're talking about the COVID pandemic here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we were 100% online, and that was the mix that we needed. That was the right mix. Um, mm-hmm. But absent any sort of worldwide you know, health crisis, um, what's the right mix for your institution? And, and it completely depends on what kind of institution you are and what your goals are, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, context is everything, right? Um, and institutionally, public versus private, are you large, are you medium, are you small? Are you one of those dwindling traditional residential experience, you know, 18 to 24-year-old kind of places? Or uh, or like so many of us, uh, are your students really made up of folks who have adult life responsibilities. I was thinking about it. Here's a term I haven't used in a while. I, I put it down in our little our little prep sheet. You know, remember when we used to talk about commuter schools? <laughs> Nobody uses that language anymore, really. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that is, does seem like an antiquated term a little it bit. It really and, does. And in years past, like when I was in high school a million years ago, um, UCF was sort of considered a commuter school, mm-hmm. but we're not anymore. Um, but we are a large transfer receiving institution. That's right. And that does impact what we feel our mix should be. How do you mm-hmm. serve these students, many non-traditional or even traditional age with non-traditional um, needs, you know, if they have, you know, work or family or other kinds of things, even if they are 20 years old, um, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you serve up a mix that allows them to accomplish their academic goals? Yeah, and like you said, you mentioned uh, like institutional goals, and there are like, you know, what's the mission of the institution, what are the big goals of the institution, but then there's what would be the goals that you would be pursuing in this supposed right mix of modalities? Like, what are you trying to accomplish, right? Um, For instance, are you trying to promote better student learning? Or to better serve existing students through increased access? Or are you trying to recruit new students? And I guess you could call either of those last two things sustain enrollment. You know, I like to talk a lot about enrollment these days. Or are you trying to drive innovation? Or what, you know, any number of other things could be goals that you're pursuing in that modality mix, I think. Yeah, and then I think you can layer goals on top of goals. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you want to increase access, Mm-hmm. Um, online learning, but also blended learning mm-hmm. would allow you 
to significantly increase the number of students you serve with the same physical plant um, because you're you're splitting sessions that are that are on yeah, campus right, with online right. with online meeting times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it can be about utilization and efficiency of of campus-based uh, infrastructure resources, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's any number of reasons that can be that can be um, uh, targeted for mm -hmm. your mix, what, whatever it might be. And and you're right, a community college mix that doesn't have residential students that serves maybe a primarily non-traditional kind of population. It's going to be very different from a four-year liberal arts college in the middle of the country somewhere that's mm -hmm. not urban. Um, they both have very different missions and very mm -hmm. different student populations and that doesn't, it means that their mixture should probably be different. But that probably does mean that there, there is some optimal mix <laughs> for what your goals are. And it's worth being strategic and intentional about thinking through those goals and how can you align your strategies and tactics to, to best serve them. Yeah, right. And I was thinking about this recently. I think maybe you and I have talked about this, maybe on mic, maybe not. But, uh, you know, a concept that was around here at UCF um, 25 years ago, 23 years ago when I got here was kind of this combination of, of top-down and bottom-up approaches, right? Um, you can approach any of this work that we were just talking about in a top-down manner. You know, a, a mandate from on high, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you could approach it as many do, many institutions, especially blended learning. It, it's almost I can't, I've lost count of the number of institutions where it's completely a grassroots activity, you know, kind of just the interest of the faculty and it just sort of bubbles up in whatever. But one of the things I really loved about our, uh, kind of our founders of the enterprise here is they leveraged the synergies inherent in doing both top down and bottom up. And that's, that's really creative, I think. I've, I've been sort of revisiting that. I got a session coming up at a conference in a, in a couple months and trying to un, unpack that a, a little bit. But I think, you know, we could talk about that some, right? I mean, there's things that you can do institutionally, but then, then there's some, some ways that you can harness the energy of faculty and students, uh, even engaging, right? Like uh, we've even recently been doing, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, this digital learning course redesign initiative, right? You, you, you <laughs> speaking of shark bite, you know, you dangle out, you know, some incentive funds and you put some parameters around it. And then you just find interested faculty who want to do interesting things in course design. It's pedagogical you know. chum. <laughs> That's what you're describing. Well, there's, there's the title of this episode. <laughs> Pedagogical chum, there you go, I like it. It's a new hashtag we should get trending. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and I've written about this uh, in, in the past and talked about it quite a bit, where if, if you can align institutional kind of big macro goals yeah. with grassroots student and faculty goals, and if you drew a Venn diagram, the part where they overlap becomes really powerful because you get everybody aligned towards the same objectives. Uh, and you don't have to convince people. You don't have to, like, you know, fight. <laughs> uh, you don't have to push really hard because there will be a lot of momentum behind it. And what you need to do is sort of feed that and put in the, the right um, 
the, the right infrastructure, the right resources, the right personnel to, to kind of realize that. So if it's, for example, a large, I don't know, a, uh, 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 maybe a program, maybe a program that the community needs because of some workforce need. So that's an institutional goal they might push down. We need a program in X. We need more nurses or something like that. Well, um, the students might want that kind of a program. Yes, maybe it's even online. Yes, I need, to, I need that because I want to be a nurse, but I'm busy and I can't come to campus, so I need an online nursing program. The institution wants to create that because there's a market opportunity that could expand access and generate revenue. Um, and then you can get some faculty involved and, and how to build that in a way that they're uh, on board with and excited about. Uh, it could become really exciting. It, it's when you don't have those things in alignment where you're pushing something from the top down and there's no interest from the bottom up, where you, where you run into resistance and you're constantly having friction, that, um, that makes it hard. Uh, so the, so the, I think your, your point's well taken. The, the mixture should reflect these various constituencies and their goals mm -hmm. um, if, if you can at all align them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think a couple of things that kind of live at the intersection of that top down and bottom up that they might feel a little bit more institutional than than grassroots, but I think they live at the intersection are clarity and consensus around modalities. Like, what are they? <laughs> you know, do you have a name for it? Do we kind of, even broadly, do we have some kind of agreement on what do we mean by blended or what do we mean by online or whatever? And then faculty preparation, you know, the the idea of having it and the idea of of what the nature of that preparation would be, right? That that sort of lives at the intersection, um, I think, of, of those two things. Um, blended in particular, uh, we talked about a, a few moments ago, and I wanted to harken back, I happened to run across this recently, back in episode three, Tom, of TopCast. It was our first episode wow. on blended learning. And uh, you said something I've been quoting for a few years now, that, Blended learning uh, arguably sits at the sweet spot intersection of faculty preferences and institutional goals. Uh, it's the same kind of a concept here, mm -hmm. but it's blended typifies that opportunity that exists, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree still with that. And, and I think I cribbed a lot of that kind of concept from Joel Hartman, who, who used to talk about that a lot. Um, and, and you know, I think there's a there's a kind of natural extension of of that concept. Um, if if an institution is going to have some, you know, intentionality behind what their mix is, and that extends beyond the classroom. So, how do you serve students in a mixed way, uh, mm -hmm, including mm -hmm. services and mm -hmm. counseling and making sure you can pay your bills online and all the other things that um, that students need to do uh, digitally uh, need to be a part of this, access library materials, whatever it is. Um, the whole institution needs to start thinking uh, as part of like a digital transformation as opposed to just, oh, that's just what happens in the classroom. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a bit of a paradigm shift and, and it can be a little overwhelming, but um, I bet most institutions have more of this in place than they think. It, they just aren't, they aren't, kind of contextualizing it in this way. Yeah, two quick plugs on that. Uh, one, again, episode 85, Blended is the Future, and it's not just courses. And the other is um, 
you know, there's been this whole series during the last year or so of Educause quick polls, and I saw a um, uh, sort of the summary of a, of a recent Educause quick poll on digital transformation, since you just, you know, brought that up, and it was really interesting. Um, you know, the whole idea of, um, of bringing digital affordances to any number of business processes, I guess, is a as a good a definition of digital transformation as any. And uh, the, the takeaway I got from the little summary is, yeah, there's a whole lot more, more of that going on in higher ed now than there was uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe one other plug is um, uh, kind of a couple of book uh, series uh, that coming out of the Online Learning Consortium and Every Learner Everywhere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, co-authored by our friend uh, and colleague, Tanya Justin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, about blended learning, but also, uh, at least at the time we were recording this, forthcoming uh, s- that extends it beyond just the classroom as well to start thinking about the blended institution and, and the, the criticality of that, is, especially as we come out of the pandemic, where you know we've talked, I've talked about the waterline being 100% during the pandemic, but it's not going to settle back to where it was pre-pandemic. We're going to have some additional amount of online and blended learning that will extend to other parts of the university. I'm thinking even here, we're doing virtual counseling now uh, and health appointments and other kinds of things that frankly we weren't doing before the pandemic that we probably will continue to do. Uh, the, the, the topic of uh, uh, office hours during faculty mm-hmm, classes. Mm-hmm. I actually think we will probably see more virtual office hours yeah. going forward, even when things are quote unquote back to normal. Yeah. Um, th- that's not gonna stop. Right. So that extends to all corners of the university. And, and, and I think the work that Tanya and her collaborators are doing is, is, is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I've, I've seen the one playbook that um, they've released and uh, I, I hear that uh, there's, a, there's a second broader, more programmatic um, one that's coming. And uh, I think that's all part of this general renewed emphasis on blended learning that we're seeing sort of percolating through our field. Like I know, for instance, the Online Learning Consortium um, Board of Directors commissioned a blended task force just to kind of look at what should that association be doing to grow blended learning more than just sort of letting it just sort of be a, a wild flower, you know, but, you know, cultivate it more. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see more of that in our, in our uh, conferences and uh, work of professional associations. But, you know, I'm reminded of a, of a, I guess, something of a truism. I think we've trotted this out a few times in these podcasts, but I'll trot it out here because I think it's relevant. Not every course should be online. But nearly every course could benefit from being blended. I think I think that's that's a real relevant point here. That continues to be true, in yeah. my estimation. That's one of the reasons that I think blended has so much traction right now. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's a kind of a safe landing pad back for a lot of faculty mm-hmm. who were face-to-face faculty who mm-hmm. were sort of forced into emergency remote instruction. Um, that are now kind of working their way back to the classroom, but don't necessarily want to give up some of the practices and things mm-hmm. that they did during the pandemic. And so blended seems to be this middle ground where they can have the advantages of, of both. Um, and we're seeing it in our numbers, right? So mm-hmm. 
at UCF, and I don't know if we're probably not typical, but um, prior to the pandemic, we, as measured by student credit hours, we were 49.4% online and blended. And we were at about 37 and change percent uh, fully online. So the balance was, was, um, was blended. And this fall right now, um, we're at like 54 and change uh, percent, at least as the numbers are right now. The, the, the fall f- numbers aren't final. Um, so <laughs> if anybody cares, we can give an update later. <laughs> um, but we're, we're over, we're like 54 and a half percent online or blended. And that blended number, our mixed mode modality is up now over 13 mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got another modality that is is kind of a blended-ish mm-hmm. sort of modality, and that's way up as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them, it's approaching 20 percent. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. And right. uh, I think it's a combination of two things for us, though. One is the uh, the pandemic. It's a consequence of, of what faculty have done as they come back. They want to maintain some of those practices. But the other is the the course redesign project that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There was a big emphasis on blended in that project, mm-hmm. and, th- and that happened to be what we were working on when the pandemic mm-hmm. hit. So I think a lot of faculty have continued that work. So between those two things, it's mm-hmm. become a bit of a force multiplier for us in blended. And and I, I think that's a good thing. So we'll continue to encourage it and promote it. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. You know, after 25 years, <laughs> we, we get to, you know, at least in terms of a semester uh, credit hours, we get uh, slightly more than than fifty percent. I think you know you make an interesting point. Blended really could become the dominant modality here or at many of our institutions for the reasons you talked about. But but blended's really hard to do well, right? Yeah. There's just so many variables. Um, so compared to purely face-to-face or purely online, uh, blended's more challenging uh, to implement. There's more variables at play. I think that's been, by my estimation, that's one of the reasons that blended has not grown previously uh, larger at UCF. I, I suspect that's true at other institutions as well. Yeah, well, as there are design challenges because, as you mm-hmm. say, it, it requires a lot more design thought to mm-hmm. do a, a well-designed blended course. It, the results can be much better than any other modality, mm-hmm. but it, it, do, it, it doesn't happen by accident. It, mm-hmm. it requires work. But there's also logistical challenges because blended mm-hmm. courses still require a classroom on campus, yep. and that has to be coordinated and synchronized and all the other mm-hmm. <laughs> things that registrars do uh, that, right. that makes it more complicated to, to scale. But just to, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but um, the definition of a blended university isn't just blended courses. No, it's a right. mixture of right. online right. and face-to-face. And, right. and, and I think if you look at it with, in that holistic sort of broad sense, you, you can maybe expand the definition of blended, at least at the institutional level, to something a little bigger than just uh, a, a single course that meets partially face-to-face and partially online. Yeah, agreed. I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but I, we did mention hybrid before. I think for a long time, for most of us, hybrid and blended were sort of interchangeable. They were synonyms, just kind of depended on your preference. It was rare to find a place where the two terms were used together, but in distinct ways. I'm beginning to see a little bit of a shift in that. I don't know if you're noticing this, but 
hybrid seems increasingly to be used to mean some kind of version of like HyFlex, where there's like a dual online and in-person experience offered simultaneously rather than being a, a synonym for blended. I think that's worth paying attention to as we go. Are you seeing that as well, or am I just imagining things? No, a little bit, yeah, especially since the pan pandemic when HyFlex mm -hmm. suddenly became everybody's right. interest. Um, and take the other half of that that portmanteau uh, flex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We ought to do a podcast just on the term flex mm -hmm. and, and how it has confused people here on campus <laughs> and within the state as we all, yeah, all the 12 institute, uh, state universities here are yeah. using the word flex slightly differently and the board of governors has its own definition that we have to report on. Uh, <laughs> that might be a fun conversation. I'll have, maybe I'll have a spirit infused coffee uh, no on that day. Uh, no or maybe kidding. I'll actually have a shark bite. <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's probably, you know, Kelvin, that's I, I do see that the, uh, the coffee is running down. Yes. And perhaps um, I should try to to land a plane here. Yes, do that. Land so, it. Land it, Tom. Um, I, I think, you know, as, as we've said throughout this, it, it seems likely that, that most higher education institutions will continue to offer a variety of digital course modalities, and, and I think that's only going to expand. And getting that mix right at, at your particular institution and in your context is a, is a challenge, but, um, but it will require involvement from every stakeholder uh, if it's going to have any sort of lasting value for you mm -hmm. and your students and your faculty and your community mm -hmm. and your administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. You think we can slide in a plug before we get out of here? Yes, the uh, the jetway has not quite hit the door yet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm Jason Bourne now, like jumping across the jetway. <laughs> uh, so it's been a little while since we've solicited input from our current listeners. Um, and and you know, look, we know podcasting is kind of a kind of a passive medium. We trust that you're out there listening. The data tell us that you are, and and we're generally okay with that. But you know, we'd kind of like to know a little bit more about who you are, what you like about the podcast, and frankly, how we can better provide episodes that are worth your while. So. Here's something worth your while. Would you please take a moment to complete the TopCast listener survey at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash TopCastSurvey2021. That's bit.ly slash TopCastSurvey2021. We'll leave this open for a little while because, hey, you might be getting this a little bit later on down the road. So whenever you hear this, please take a moment to respond. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash TopCast Survey 2021. And that we'll being put that said, link in the, in the show we notes. We will. Say, we'll so. put that in the show notes. We'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes. We'll find a picture of the shark bite drink. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll put all kinds of stuff in there. So unless there's anything else that you want to throw in the show notes, uh, until next time for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya. See ya.